Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this gathering, that where two or three are gathered in your name, you promise to be in our midst. And so we ask that you might walk among this congregation and speak to our hearts and minds while drawing us closer to yourself and most of all to your love. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Today I want to talk to you about AA, not Alcoholics Anonymous, but the other AA, Advent in August. I can hear Handel's Messiah, if you know that musical piece, in the backdrop of of Malachi, and he shall purify, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. The musical Messiah sings from the background of this text from Malachi this morning. It may not be the proper our Advent proper according to the liturgical calendar of the church. We're not in December yet, but believe me, it is Advent. There's no seasonal pomp and circumstance, no heavy commercialization and shopping for Christmas gifts, no sappy Hallmark Christmas movies, thank God. Liturgically, we are in what we call ordinary time. But existentially, it's Advent. Actually, Advent is ordinary time for Christians because every day is Advent, isn't it? Every day we wait for God to come. We don't have to wait on the church calendar for it to be Advent. We are living a perpetual Advent during this health pandemic, waiting, pleading, hoping for God to come, not in a distant future, but today, right now. The last words of the Bible should be the first words on our lips every day. Come, Lord Jesus. Actually, the arc of the scriptures and the arc of the entire Christian story actually bend toward Advent, Christ's coming. That's why it's always Advent, even today. We don't have to wait for December to be here. We need God's coming, God's Advent right now. The prophet's words set all of this up for us. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to the temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Repeatedly we hear that the day is coming, and there's a messenger that will prepare the way. Malachi's name literally means my messenger. 
And in the Old Testament, Elijah is the key prophet messenger. And in the New Testament, John the Baptist is the key one. These prophets prepare the way for God's coming. Malachi the messenger is no different. The book of Malachi is the end of the Protestant Old Testament canon and the very end of the Old Testament. The the ending of Malachi points ahead to a future coming and speaks of sending the prophet Elijah before the great day of the Lord comes. And in the Gospels, John the Baptist is like Elijah, picking up the messenger theme, preparing for the coming of the Lord. The ark of faith bends towards Advent. Come, Lord Jesus. Just as the book of Malachi doesn't close off the story with a clean-cut, happily-ever-after ending, but points to a coming, our story in Christ is open-ended as we wait for God's coming. This is why it's Advent in August. We are waiting for God to come. We need God to come now. Things are open-ended, even seemingly uncertain. Life as we hope and imagine is not fully consummated. It's not yet what it ought to be and what we want it to be. This is why we need the messenger, Malachi. We need to know that it's okay to live in the unresolved. There is no nicely tied bow at the end of Malachi. That's where we are right now, living in the unresolved, living in Advent, waiting for better days, better control of a Delta variant, ongoing questions and concerns, waiting, hoping, questioning. And there's nothing wrong with questions as a part of the life of faith. This is how we live in the unresolved. Questions are a part of the dialogical structure, even between God and the people of Israel and Malachi. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? How shall we return, the people ask. And God responds, will anyone rob God? How are we robbing you? How have we spoken against you? Questions and more questions. Keep things open like Advent. This is what happens in Malachi. They don't close off the conversation or the searching for answers. They don't necessarily resolve anything, yet the questions are faithful expressions of life with God. The people of Israel may be living after exile in Babylon, but there are still tensions with low economic resources and living under a Persian domination. They too still wait for a word from God even as they struggle, and so they question. This is the Advent life, grappling with so many questions, grappling with ear resolution. And if 
We are honest with ourselves. This is where we are. And as we wait for God to come and, and to intervene and even fulfill all of God's promises, let's remember that we may not like the way God comes to us. Malachi puts it this way, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. When God comes, get ready for fire and soap. Get ready to be cleansed. Get ready to be purified. When you prepare for a guest at your home, as Pastor Carol said last week, you want to bring your best. But even your best will be purged in God's presence. We are actually waiting for the advent of our best life. And waiting for the advent of God can be tough because there is, as the Lutherans and others would say, both law and gospel. The refining of your life is a renewal and new beginning, but going through a fire isn't necessarily fun. The bad news, the tough times, the struggles may be a precursor to the good news and more joyous experiences, but God can be at work in both. The bottom line is that the Advent season means change for us, and hopefully we are changing for the good during this pandemic season. God's coming, God's intervention, God's presence should change us and change us now. And the opportunity to change, to be refined, is an act of grace, actually. In the moment, we may not like it. But in the end, we might find that it was God all along coming in our midst to make something beautiful. It's like oysters that produce pearls. Not all oysters produce pearls, and even the oysters that can produce pearls do not always do so. The oysters that, that, that form pearls do so because they're a little uncomfortable. As Duke biology professor Steve Nowicki teaches, an oyster forms a pearl when a grain of sand becomes lodged inside its shell. And that grain of sand irritates the oyster. And it makes the oyster just a little uncomfortable. And the oyster has no way to get rid of the sand. And so what it does instead is to cover that grain of sand with layer upon layer of a remarkable substance called nacre. And this nacre forms a smooth capsule around the sand grain, preventing it from further irritating the oyster. It's the smooth capsule made of this layer upon layer of this substance that we call a pearl. Something beautiful can emerge from discomfort. 
Grace comes through a lodged grain of sand. In Flannery O'Connor's short story, Revelation, the main character, Ruby Turpin, is known as a not-so-nice bigot. <laughs> she loves the hierarchies that she's created for race and class and believes they're all admirable. She sees this as a great virtue, actually. But one day, while sitting in the waiting room of her doctor's office, expressing gratitude that she was not this race or that class, Ruby is assaulted by a, a young girl who hits her smack in the middle of her forehead with a book entitled Human Development. And then that same young girl calls her a warthog from hell. Ruby sees this attack not only as a crazy act of a stressed out teenager, but she also sees this incident as a message to her from God. So when Ruby arrives home from the doctor's office with a bruise on her forehead, she heads out to her shed. She picks up the hose and begins watering down her pigs forcefully with water. She's angry at God because she believes that God has called her a warthog from hell, even though she views herself as a very upstanding Christian citizen. In her anger, Ruby looks up to the heavens and snarls at God. What did you send me a message like that for? How am I a hog and me both? How am I saved and from hell too? Questions to God. And at the end of the story, Ruby has a vision a revelation where we get the short story name from, as she stands outside by her pigs. She sees a ladder on which people are ascending to heaven, walking together in groups, the groups that she had created in her minds based on her ideal hierarchical categories of race and class, those she despised. And so she and those like her are actually bringing up the rear of the procession. They are the last, following all of those whom they have despised for so long. And Flannery O'Connor writes, they alone were on key. Yet she could see by their shocked and altered faces that even their virtues were being burned away. When we meet God, even our virtues need to be burned away in the refining fire. We are made pure and naked in God's presence when we meet God. It, it may be judgment, but it is because of love. Because God loves, God judges and refines. Even our virtues are rubbish in God's presence because even those things which we are so proud of can get in the way of our communion with God. I know all of this may seem disheartening 
for living in Advent. Until you remember that the name of the girl who throws that book against the forehead of, of Ruby, when you remember her name is Grace. Grace was the name of that young girl. And grace is the opportunity to get clean even when we don't see our own filth. Grace is the invitation to get it truly right when we've imagined we were right all along. Grace can be tough love and refining fire, forging us into the people God desires us to be. Even at this year's Olympics, there's been grace. According to one reporter, a surfer jumping in to translate for the rival who just beaten him. A high jumping friend's agreeing to share a gold medal rather than move to a tiebreaker? Two runners falling in a tangle of legs then helping each other to the finish line? Grace comes in many forms, shaping us into the people God desires us to be. So whatever the form may be, there's unbelievable grace in Advent. In knowing that God wants to come to us, wants to come to you, even in surprising ways. And this is what we should remember during these times in which we live, virtues or not, that there is the grace that God comes and as we wait, we are still here. We are still alive, which is a grace in and of itself. Malachi reminds the people, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, have not perished. Because of who God is, we are still alive. There's a lot in the world and in our lives that may be unresolved, that may be tensive and even uncomfortable. But Advent hope is that because God is, we will be. And not only be, but be something refined and beautiful. And that's all because of grace. And Advent Grace even offers the opportunity for reconciliation and peace because in the end we hear in Malachi that God will not come and strike the land with a curse and turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. In Advent there is refining but there is also a redeeming once and for all when God turns to us and when we turn to God and one another in deep communion, when we'll study war no more. All because of grace. We are here because of grace. And we will be together because of grace. Grace, it's the name for a girl. 
It's a thought that changed the world. Grace, she carries a pearl in perfect condition. What once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Grace finds beauty in everything. Grace finds goodness in everything. Grace comes during Advent in August. We're at the end of our series here this summer, and so thank you, Prophet Malachi and all of the other 12 minor prophets we've covered this summer. Thank you for reminding us of both judgment and grace. Let's continue to wait for incarnate grace. Even if at times it hits us right across our foreheads, or enters our mouth as bread. Either way, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.